in turning to Matthew chapter 24 and Acts chapter 4. I want to begin what I, what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart in the last little bit, actually. I pondered the last several days, but I wasn't really sure where I would land and if it was time to say some of these things. But I want to preface with what we say again, as usual, with that the, I, the Word of God is here for our instruction and for our warning and for our preparation. Yes? And although we are living and, and beginning to bear out some of the most uh, critical times and interesting times of human history, much less our lifetime, the, word, the Lord would tell you in His Word and in the beginning today that the church of the living God has no need to be fearful. None whatsoever. That, God, that, the, that the Word is clear that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Hear me, church. He tells us very plainly some, uh, how the last times before his return are going to play out and they're, and they're, they're intense. It's intense. But he tells us clearly that he's, that he's not a God of fear, that we don't live for... We, we are, when the word says we are to fear the Lord, it's a, that's King James' word. It's talking about a holy reverence for him and, and awe of who he is a respect, if you will, for who he is, but we're not to be afraid of God or the things of God or the things that will play out in God's plan. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a, a spirit of self-control, a sound mind. I do believe that we are in some of the most uh, critical and interesting times of human history. I do not believe that in any way, shape, or form that the United States is God's timepiece in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I know that we're not. Israel is God's timepiece, without any doubt. The role that we would have, if any, is we are absolutely, at least for the last 250 years, been, been the the uh, epicenter of the gospel and of the church we're not the church and we're and we're not and we're not the only nation in the world that that has that had that the church has had great influence in and from but God has used this nation and its people as church powerfully for the last 250 years some of the most important dates of, of the last hundred years and of human history uh, you know, when you get past the crucifixion and the Pentecost and all those things, I'm talking about in modern times and in latter times. You, are you with me? May 14th, 1948 has to be, without any doubt, one of the most important dates in, in two millennia. June 7th, I believe, 1967 is almost as significant as May, 4, of May 14th, 1948. Two things happened. May 14th, 1948, out of nowhere and without any reason and without any, uh, it's never happened before in the history of mankind is that a nation was born in a day. That's prophesied, by the way. It said a nation will be born in a day. Israel, the people, the Jews, were gathered from all over the earth after being scattered for 2,000 years with no common language, no common land. None of those things were gathered in an instant, in a miraculous moment of world events, and the biblical nation of Israel was reborn in May 14, 1948. June 7th, 1967, at the end of what is now known as the Six-Day War, the word came from the radios from when, when there was an intense invasion by Jewish paratroopers to Jerusalem, East Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. The, the word came to the world 
that we have now we have the Temple Mount and Jerusalem back for the first time since pre-Roman Empire, since before Christ. These are important things. Other dates in, the, in America that would be significant would be July of 15. Another date in America would, that would be significant is um, June of 2022. And I can't help but notice what happened this week with a foreign visit by our leader. Why am I saying these things? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 24. Let's begin reading at verse 32, if you're there. Matthew 24. Verse 32. Matthew 24, of course, is known as the backbone of prophecy. Jesus is speaking in the Olivet Discourse to his disciples, answering questions. Their question began was, when shall these things be? And he's spoken, and here towards the end of of chapter 24, in verse 32, Jesus made kind of a change in his answering their question. He said, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. The word of God, the fig tree, I don't know if there's ever an instance that it doesn't refer to Israel as a nation. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. So he's telling you it's a parable, it's an imagery, it's a, it's, he's talking in terms that they can see and relate to. Fig tree being the nation of Israel. He says, when its branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you shall know that summer is near. They've come out of the. They've come out of winter time. <laughs> they've 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 come to life again. They're in the spring when it puts on when it puts on branches when it's when its branches are tender and its leaves are have just begun. It's springtime. It's coming out of the season of of dormancy. Okay. When its branches yet tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So likewise, when you see all these things, you know it is near, even at the door. Verily I say to you that this generation shall not pass until all things are fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass. Now, He's certainly speaking of the entirety of the Word of God, but if you look at what he says, look, look clearly, because he is the living Word. But I want you to look closely at what he says. He said, we quote that scripture a lot, heaven and earth pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But look at what he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He is speaking directly to what he is saying right then. But of the day and the hour, no one knows, not the, not, no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as in the days of Noah were, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 
If you go back to Genesis chapter, and, uh, chapter 6, and you'll begin to read about the days of Noah. And one of the, quickly, I want to point out that when he talks about the days of Noah, there were a few things that evil. What, the, what marked the days of Noah was that the whole earth in its entirety was wicked. In fact, the whole earth was so wicked and, and so much in, in, in its entirety that when it was all said and done, there was only Noah and his family that were righteous that were saved. There was a period of a scholars, the timeline, 100 years, 120 years, whatever it might have been in that area, that from the, from the time that God commanded Noah to build an ark, and he preached righteousness. The Bible says that Noah preached righteousness all this time. That was a time of grace and a time. See, people think that the grace that God didn't have any grace until the church age. But the first mention of grace in the entirety of the Word of God was Genesis chapter 6 when the flood was about to come. And it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And from the time of judgment that was coming until, and, and the preparation for that judgment, God had a preacher that was proclaiming righteousness while at the same time building, building the, the ark of safety for their escape should they repent and heed. As in the days of Noah, so shall it be. The mark of the day of Noah was wickedness in all the earth. I believe it's in Luke 17. He says, as, as in the days of Lot, so shall it be. The days of Lot were, of course, the days of Sodom and Gomorrah and leading up to. And the same occasions where wickedness had prevailed all over the land. And that God was about to bring a, a, a in these particular instances, God was bringing his wrath to the earth. Uh, not just judgment. There's a difference between judgment and wrath. Maybe I should explain that. God judged Israel many times, judged many things and judged many people and Israel and many nations many times throughout the Word of God. When they, were, when they, when they fell into idolatry, God uh, allowed judgment to fall. And it wasn't, it wasn't for their condemnation, it was for their salvation. When God, when God judges, it's not for your destruction. It's, for, it's, it's, it's that he's a God that is, that is so much love and so, and so much compassion and, and that he is willing to, he's willing to allow about anything to cause who, whoever will heed the warning and turn back to him. When God judges, it's about turning back to him. And when there, there was a wickedness that prevailed across uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, as in the days of Lot. And again, there was a cry of righteousness. And you know that God, you know, Lot or Abraham went on Lot's behalf. If there be 50, if there be 40, if there be 25, if there be 10, will you save them? And God every time said, I will. But when there was not none to be found, he pulled the only righteous people out of the cities and poured out his, his wrath on, on the nations. It says, as in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot, so shall it be. And what was he talking about? He was talking about a wickedness and a defiance and an idolatry and, 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 and a turning of the world and the nations against the things of God. And here's, a, here's some things. I, I'm, I'm deliberately measured and uh, conversational, if you will. This morning, because I want you to hear without without um, um, sensationalism or any of those things, we should be sober of the day that we live in. Make no mistake about it. You should be sober of the hour and the time that you live in. America and the world, not just America, were not the timepiece. America and the world are, are largely in complete and utter defiance of God and his word today, as in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot. 
It was much the same in Jesus' day. In the days of the Roman Empire, it was, a, it was not a great time. We think about the church, we, we read the book of Acts and we read the biblical accounts of, of God's miraculous power and we, and we want to see his miraculous power today. I want to see his miraculous power today. I want you to hear me and understand some things. I want you to think about the miraculous power that God demonstrated in the book of Acts and all through the word of God. And here, here's what, God, God has never done miracle signs and wonders to be a showman or a show off. He's never done it to entertain and he's never done it to, to validate a man or a ministry. When God has done miracle signs and wonders, it's because the people in those situations had to have a miracle, sign, or wonder. If I think about in your life when you've ever needed a miracle, have you ever needed a miracle on a good day? Is that fair? Have you ever needed a miracle? Have you ever, is there any situation, you may have, a, everything in your life may be going fine outside of one desperate situation and you say, I gotta have a miracle. Why? Because natural means are exhausted. You have no place else to go. And if God doesn't come through miraculously, it's not going to happen. All through the word of God, when God came done miracle signs and wonders, and you, will, you will not find a single time when there wasn't a desperate situation. They needed a miracle. Hello? I, I believe the church ought to, be, ought to be praying for a return of power, miracles, signs, and wonders. But I, I will remind you that the Word of God says that, that these signs shall follow them that believe. You're the believer is supposed to be the leader, not the miracles. You want to know why there's so much bad doctrine and people chasing goofy things? Because it's because of lying signs and wonders. Because, because see, when the, when the miracles lead, deception follows. That's tweetable. When, when, when miracles lead, deception follows. But when the believer leads, when the Word of God leads, miracles follow. The word of God, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, you shall cast out devils. You shall speak with new tongues. You shall heal the sick. Or you shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. It said, you shall take up serpents. You shall, if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. By the way, that's not about snake handling churches. I always want to make sure you know that. So we don't, you know, people ask me if we have snakes. And, you know, remember from Steel Magnolias, it's not on your first visit anyway. Y'all need to lighten up. So if anybody, uh, uh, was it Wendy Bagwell that used to sing about, if, where, where do you want, uh, is there a door? I said, where do you want one? <laughs> you bring the snakes out, I'm out. No, the, you shall, you shall the, uh, serp, take up serpents. It was like Paul gathering the firewood and a, and a, and a viper latched itself to him. And they, they see, when they, they thought he was a sinner and a, and a, and a, a heathen up in, when, they, when, when the snake bit him, Oh, well, who is this man? Under a curse, they were shipwrecked, and now the snakes bit him. And then when he shook it off in the fire, they thought he was going to swell up and die within minutes. And when he shook it off in the fire and he wasn't harmed, then they thought he was a god. <laughs> you shall take up serpents, they shall not harm you. You drink any deadly thing, that doesn't mean go out and drink battery acid and, and tell, tell everybody you're a Christian. And do a sideshow. That means if somebody's trying to poison you for the, for the gospel's sake, that God will protect you miraculously. Hello? <laughs> the, miracle, the, the word leads, the believer leads, the miracles follow. In Luke, or, or Acts chapter 4, there had just been a notable miracle. And when the notable miracle came by the hands of Peter and John, everybody was happy about it as anybody would be. Have you figured out that the world is not thrilled whenever you succeed and when God moves? 
We got this kind of, we got this misconception that when God moves in power that the world's just going to bow at his feet and everybody's going to be happy about it. No, whenever, whenever, whenever a, a lame man is healed after 38 years, they're, they're not a celebration in the city of Jerusalem. No, the, the authorities confiscate Peter and John and bring them in and threaten them and, and tell them they're going to imprison them and they're going to beat them if they don't stop preaching in his name. Hello? I'm talking about where, where the reality of, of, of powerful Christianity and, and the times that we live in and what the governments do and what the world is coming to and what the Bible prophesies about the here and now. It says in verse 16 of chapter 4 of, of Acts, it says, saying, watch, the, the, this is the officials, this, they're saying, what shall we do with these men? But, I, you know, I, I, I know what I'm saying, so I'm not saying it lightly. So I want you to hear this. I, I want to be a man of God that, the, that they don't know what to do with. But when I say that, all people are like, yeah, I want to be a man of God they don't know what to do with. No, you got to understand that they're in cuffs and they're under threat right now. Whenever the officials are saying, what are we going to do with these people? Now, you're saying, are you saying you want to be arrested? You want to be persecuted? That's dumb. But I also read in the book of Acts whenever, whenever they come to such a place of miraculous provision and, and they come under such persecution but God came through so greatly and, and God was moving so mightily, it says that they counted, that they counted their self, uh, it counted it an honor to, to be persecuted for, the, for his namesake. I just don't know if I'm there yet. I don't know if they're going to take me out and beat me and arrest me and remove me from my family and if I'm going to be able to clap my hands and praise the Lord and say I counted, I counted an honor that it would be counted worthy to suffer. You with me? It says in verse 16, saying, What shall we do with these men? This is the authorities talking about Peter and John. For indeed, a notable miracle has been done by, by them. It's manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem. When we cannot deny it. It was an undeniable miracle and move of God. But that it spread no further among the people. Can't, we can't have that. We can't have miracle signs and wonders and revival breaking out among the people. The, I, I want you to understand that the people in authority and the, that are ungodly, that the people that have got there for, for ungodly means, they, they, they love their control and they're not interested in your deliverance. He says, but it's spread no further. We can't, have, we can't have people being set free, healed, miracle signs, wonders, salvations, baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can't have that. Let us strictly threaten them that they should speak hereafter no, to no man in his name. And when they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus, it says, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing to, that they should punish them because of the people. For all the men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported to the chief priests and the elders and, and said to them, and when they heard that, they, when they heard that, Oh, wow, this verse has been on my mind all week. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, and said, Lord, you are God, which has made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all of them that is in. They say, why has that been on your mind? Because it, it is really disturbing to me. It's going to make you uncomfortable, but it makes me uncomfortable too. That we've come to the place in the full gospel church that people don't know how to raise their voice to God and pray out loud. Oh, you don't like that. 
So I, I, there, there is nothing scriptural about our little name. Now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep prayers, and that being afraid to, to use your own voice and pray to God. There is power in, in, in prayer. There is power in unified prayer. There is power when somebody besides the preacher prays. I, I grew up all of my life, and whenever we would pray over the offering, and there was a roar of prayer across the room, where has it gone? Just look at me, that's okay. Where has the response to the power and the Word of God gone, and where has people's ability to lift their own voice and pray to God gone? Is it going to take the situations of, of, that they were living in for people to find their voice again and pray in unity? It says, when they, when they saw that they had been released and come to them, they were in shock. And it says that they all, that they all raised their voice in one accord and prayer to God. There was a roar of prayer, not praise, prayer that went up for God. The church has got to learn to pray again. Together. All of us, you, me, you need it, I need it. Don't be forced into a situation where the first time God's ever heard your voice is when you need a miracle. I don't want the first time God's ever heard my voice in intercession, in petition, in any of those things, but the first time he ever hears me is whenever where, where I need a miracle. I want him to know me. Come on, church. I could say some things right now, but people would take it wrong. We're not liturgical. We're not the Episcopalians. We're not the Methodists. We're not the Lutherans. We're not, we're not even the Baptists. And I'm not being ugly. I'm not being denominational. I've never been. Never, and, and, and frankly, the, the, the longer time goes on, the less I like it. I just believe there's an image of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and our labels have nothing to do with it. And, and we've come to what the bottom line is, is we're proud we're embarrassed and we don't want people to hear us and, and but we want God to move on our behalf and it just doesn't work that way well that's just not my nature none of this Christianity is about your nature you need to understand something God uses you and your personality but when you get saved you're a new creation when you get saved he took a timid preacher named Peter that couldn't even say I know a, a God around a campfire with a teenage girl and put him in front of the world in front of the people that, that was killing everybody and to, to declare that this Jesus whom you crucified has been made both Savior and Lord and, 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 and that they go after him but he never backed off again you're, you, you cannot use your personality as an excuse not to pray and not to praise. You can't do it. You just can't. We're, we are entering into a desperate time. You say, preacher, I don't like that. Well, you, just don't, you don't know me and you don't know. I know me. I know a kid that was raised in Pentecost by Pentecostal people in the fire. I was raised in the fire. I can tell you the old preacher said it and I'll just repeat it. It's cliche. There's a, there's a reason. I, can't, I, I was born in the fire and I can't stand the smoke. I'm not, I, I've seen, what, you ever been to this, uh, where the, when the fire, there's just a stinky little wet drizzle of a smoke and how bad it stinks and there's no, there, there, the ashes and that kind of smoke is what's left when the fire is gone. I was born in the fire in church and I can't stand the smoke. But I also remember believing it, seeing it, experiencing it, living it, and being so intimidated by, the, by my own personality, and believe it or not, and the, and the people around me that I didn't even have the guts to lift a hand in praise ever. But I remember what happened to me when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. When I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, all bets were off. When I... I'm telling, I'm telling you today, I don't, every single one of you, I don't care who you are, you are, here's the thing, I said it here a while back, I'm going to say it again. You are not, you, you are special to your mama, and you're special to God as an individual, but you're not unique. I'm saying, because people want to use their personality as an excuse to not praise, to not pray, to what, you are not unique. There is not an exception in this room, not one. That, you're, that, that, that your praises don't enthrone God. That your prayer doesn't get his attention. 
You are, it is a lie from the pit of hell and you are deceived. I'm saying it as bluntly as I know how to say it. If you think your personality entitles you to not raise your voice in praise, to not, to not give him glory, and to not pray. That's a deception. That's a lie. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're my best friend in this building or if I've never met you before. I don't care who you are. Period. You're, the Word of God applies to you and the power of God applies to you and it changed people radically all through the Word of God. Everybody he touched, he changed radically. Period. And I'm telling you this because of where we're at. Because you have no need to fear if you know who he is. You have no need to fear if you're willing to pray. You have no need to fear if you give him glory. You have no need to fear if you're walking with him. You have no need to fear. Rumble. Here was the prayer. Oh God, you are Lord, in verse 24, who made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in, by whom the mouth of your servant David said, why do the heathens rage and the people imagine vain things and the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against Christ the Lord and against his Christ and the truth against your holy child Jesus whom, whom have anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel who gathered together for to do whatsoever your hand and your counsel determined before it was done. And now, Lord, they're still praying. Yes? And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And your great servants. And behold, Lord, their, their threatenings. And grant your servants with all boldness. See, it's scripture. Behold their threatenings and grant your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word. Who? All your servants. Grant now, grant, behold their threatenings. See, it, was, it, was, it, it wasn't they're threatening us and I don't know what to do. It says, no, Lord, behold their threatenings. Look at their threatening. Look what they're saying to us. Please protect me and don't let them get me. No, it says, grant to your servant that with all boldness that I may declare the word of God. You want to see your family saved? You want to see your spouse saved? You want to see your situations turned around in the dark hour that we are in and it's getting darker? You, bear, you start praying, Lord, that you give, the, give your servant great boldness that I may declare your word. They're not going to get saved by your wishing. They're not going to get saved by your hoping. Faith is not hope. You need hope, you gotta have faith. But faith is now. Faith is what moves God. Faith is how you're saved. Faith is the currency of heaven. The kind of hope that we do most. Well, I just hope that see, that's not even godly hope. Are you hearing me? Can I just be real a second? Well, I, I sure hope he'll quit doing what he's doing. That's not even God, that's not faith at all. It's not even godly hope. Hope and hope that that's all that is is is, is spiritual worrying. Oh, that's, that, that, that's just spiritual worrying. That don't move God. God grant your servants that with all boldness we might declare the word of God. You know how they're going to get saved? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It says how they're going to get saved? It says it's by the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. How are they going to get saved? It says, it says how shall they believe in whom they not heard? And how shall they hear unless they're sent? How are they going to hear without a preacher? He said, do you call me to the pulpit? Every person that is, names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word says that their sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. It's not talking about pulpit ministry. It's talking about you're going to proclaim what he's done for you. How were you made overcomers? The Revelation tells you. It said we were made, I was made an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. Church, it's on us. We are God's choice on the earth. I want you to understand something. God is God. He's sovereign. He, can, he has all power. And, and he has, but he has chosen the church, the people of God, as his evangelists, as his proclaimers. As his, as he has, not, not the, you've got to understand, it's not the pulpit. It's every believer. He's chosen us. 
We are the difference makers in this world. We are who's restraining all of hell right now. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. And neither saw them anything and said any of them that any of the things which they possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. This is not socialism. This was a, this was a, this was a time of great persecution when their survival was unity. You're not hearing me. This was a time of great persecution where their survival was unity. We work together. If you need it, I got it. If I need it, you got it. We work together. And with great, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace upon them all. I'm going to line myself up for criticism and everything else right now, but this, 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 is, this is where I'm at. I'm opening the door for people to think I'm crazy, to criticize, to laugh, all the things. I've, I feel like I've, my eyes are open to a degree that they haven't been in a long time, or maybe ever. Not because I'm listening to somebody, but because I'm trying to spend some time in his word and alone with him. And the things that you see everywhere, but you're not putting together. I believe as we speak that God is allowing, you can call it judgment, you can call it whatever you want to, but, but the change is happening. The Bible certainly says that everything in these days that can be shaken will be shaken. So that that which cannot be shaken can stand. That's a fact. That's, there's, it's indisputable. We're not talking about tribulation. We're not talking about wrath. We're talking about, we're talking about when, when God, when, when evil becomes so pervasive, most of the time it's just, a, it's just God just steps back. I'm going to ask you questions. Rhetorically, don't answer out loud. I want to ask you questions. I want to cause you to think. Why all of a sudden has the most knowledgeable, technologically advanced society that's ever been on the face of this earth, why are we suddenly unable to run a supply chain? We could, we could run a supply chain 40 years ago without a, without a, with a fraction of the computer power we have today with, with, with twice the efficiency. And up until about two years ago, three years ago, why suddenly can we not run a supply chain anywhere? Not just the U.S., anywhere. Why suddenly do the airlines and the airports not know how to transport and not, know how, and, and not just here all over the world? We barely got out of Amsterdam. We didn't really realize at the time that we literally barely got out of Amsterdam. And, and you've got the, large, the world's largest airports that are saying, don't sell any tickets to our place. Don't, don't send anybody here. We, we, can't, we can't fly them. We can't handle them. Uh, I read at one point last week where there were 16,000 pieces of luggage still in Amsterdam that, they, that just pile up. They don't know what to do with it. They can't get it out. And that's happening all over the world. You think, that's not no big deal. That's the airline. And let me tell you something. If the, if the airlines and everything shut down today, the world would stop. The society as you know it would be over. You say, that's hyperbole. That's a little overstatement. No, it's right. But commerce would cease. Whatever you could grow in your backyard is what you would have. It's not just about vacations and business travel and missions. It would shut the world down. I can tell you without any doubt, right now, because y'all think it's hot in South Texas, 
When I got here, people was like, oh, you're going to get used to the heat? Well, yeah, that's cute. Because right now, the, in, in Arkansas, Oklahoma, and North Texas, right now the, the, the temperatures have been 105 to 110 degrees on their third week going into their fourth with no rain and no end in sight. Hadn't happened. That's been about 20 years since I've seen it that long back home. But what's really going on, what you really need to know, is all of the cattle farmers up there are, are selling their beef to the slaughterhouses right now. That's a fact. And the reason they're selling their beef to their, we already have a meat problem. And the reason they're selling their meat to the slaughterhouses is because they can't feed them because their fields are burned up. And we're going into August, they've already lost one cutting of hay, and they're about to lose their second cutting of hay, and they're, and they're slaughtering their cattle because they can't feed them now, and there's no hay for winter. They know they can't feed them through the winter. And if you think there's a crisis now on beef and meat and all those things, you haven't seen nothing yet. That's why I told you, that's why I started with saying the people of God should never be afraid. But the people of God should not be ignorant. The breadbasket of Europe is under siege. Africa will begin to starve soon. East Africa, North Africa, East Africa, West Africa, and South Africa won't, but the rest of Africa will. India will begin to starve soon. America's wheat crops and grain crops are in the same condition. What I am telling you is, as I believe with everything standing here, that there is a perfect storm that has arisen, and perfect storms don't rise on accident. It's not coincidental. It's not coincidental. And believe it or not, it's not, it's not even all Joe Biden. I know that people, all of us political folks, all the political folks in the church world want to blame everything on an administration when it changed out there. I'm going to tell you that, that God sets up kings and brings, down, and brings them down. I'm going to tell you that, 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 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But I will tell you, the principalities and powers work through people. Just like God uses the church, God uses people, so does the enemy. When everything is illogical, there's not, whenever, whenever you're in an energy crisis and you, and you, won't, and you won't pump your own oil and you, and you sell your reserves to other countries, let me say that again a different way. When you sell your reserves to your enemy. Exactly. Exactly. First of all, we're not in the crisis that we should be tapping any reserves. Reserves are for war. We're, but we're not only tapping our reserves whenever we could be filling them, we are selling our reserves to our enemy. Well, I'm going to tell you what, that is delusion. I'm not saying that to be political. That, that, I'm not, that's not even on my radar today. That is delusion. You're not hearing me. That, that is delusion. That is spiritual confusion. It is delusion because there's nothing rational about it. Whenever somebody can make the wrong decision 10 out of 10 times, that's delusion. And it's spiritual. Read the Word of God. I know we've, we've, we've listened to Ding Dong and, and, and Twinkie sermons for so long that we don't, even, we don't even know the fullness of the Word of God. But all through the Word of God, when, people, when the societies become evil, when they became idolatrous, when the, when, when the, when the religious system was, was, getting there, was, was turned to idolatry, every time this is what God done or allowed. I've said it a thousand times before, and I'm going to say it a thousand and one today. I believe that there's a great, powerful move of God that we're on the precipice of. But I also believe there's calamity like the world has never seen. I believe it will be the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. I believe that the Scripture bears that out. It will be the best of times and the worst of times. The book of Acts was that way. It was the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. But that book of Acts, that, 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 that New Testament, that, that way God moves in the church today is still the answer. And the answer was, was when they attacked with power and prayer. When they come back to the Word of God, submit themselves to His power, and they pray powerfully. It unified the church. And the people were saved by the multitudes. Your little namby-pamby, 
coddle them in their sin, church, did not exist in the Scripture. The powerful church is the confrontational church that will confront and love with the Word of God and let the power of God do the work. Church, are you hearing me this morning? I believe that we are, on the, that we are standing at, imminently at events in this world that people are going to stand in front of their television with their mouth open. Much like on 9-11, only on a bigger scale. I remember, I remember September 11th, 2001, when, the, when we literally stood in front of a screen with our mouth open. I can remember that for the first time in my life ever, not just my adult life, my life, and I think you, I remember the first time in my life I felt fear as an American. It was scary. I believe the world is on the, the verge of cataclysmic events that are going to cause us to stand breathless and stunned. Turn your eyes to him now, not later. Amen. Now, not later. If we live for him, if we walk with him, if we, if we, if we pray in power, live in power, we will never lack. If we have to pull it all together, since they had all things in common, it wasn't socialism. It was under great persecution. What you need, I've got. If you need it, I've got it. Let's all work together, and, we'll, and God will provide in power, and, and he will accomplish what he put us here to do. I told Heather, I told Heather last night, ask her, first time since I've been in Mauriceville, I said twice yesterday when I was going to bed, I said, I don't even want to preach tomorrow. And I actually usually chomp, and I, I, there's nothing I'd rather do. I couldn't settle, I couldn't deal, and I wasn't in no mood for any of it. So if you think that the, any of this gives me great pleasure to, say, to, to preach these kind of messages, I didn't even want to be here. Oh, some of y'all stunned. Y'all think I get, you think the preacher gets up every day singing zippity doo dah, zippity a. There's days I don't always feel powerful, Andrew. There's some days I don't even feel saved. Why? But that's okay because I live because I'm saved by faith. I live by faith. I don't live by my feelings. There's days I don't even feel saved. So don't be shocked that there was a day I didn't even want to be here. Oh, by the way, you'll notice that I am. <laughs> Say, well, you're the preacher. You had to be there. Oh no, I could have called somebody and sent them in and told you I didn't feel good. I'm just, that's real. It's where we're at. And it's not, it, it's unnerving, but it's not scary because I know him. Well, he even said it earlier in 24, he says, he said, don't be, don't be upset, don't be fearful. These things must be. You want to see the great power, the great glory? This is, this is what it comes with. And yes, I want to see it. Yes, I want to see it. Mark, I want to be counted worthy. And I want this church and the church to be prepared. It's a great day. Not a bad day. Do we understand that? We are privileged. We are privileged. God could have put you anywhere in any place in time. He could have put you on any country. He could have put you with any parent. He could have put you in any country, in any place in time. But he chose us for today. If he chose us for today, then we're, then we're his choice for today. And he's not weak, and he's not powerless, and he's faithful. And the best days for the church are in front of us, not behind us. Hear me. The greatest days for the church, 
See, I got dual, I'm like Paul, I got dual citizenship. I'm an American and I'm glad to be. But my citizenship is in heaven. And the greatest days for the church are ahead of us, not behind us. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your word. Lord, I thank you that you prepare a people for a time such as this. Lord, I pray even now that you're dealing with hearts and minds and, and families and, 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 and couples and, and moms and dads. And Lord, that you're dealing with the depths of our soul about a, a, about a closeness, about a faithfulness, about a power that comes in you. Lord, I believe you're drawing your own to you just like a, a, a chicken would draw, a hen would draw her chicks. Lord, that, that you, are, you are God. You are powerful. You, 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 you're, not, you don't, you're, you're going to support and, and, and raise up your people. That you're not going to leave us to the ways of this world. But use us powerfully to invade the darkness. To tell the truth and to be bold and powerful in our testimony. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move in a, in a way in mag like it's never moved before. That you would stir to the people, stir the hearts of the people to bold prayer and to bold praise. Not, not fleshiness, not sensationalism, not, not silly, not, uh, fleshy manifestations, but a demonstration of your power in individuals, families, and the church. Lord, and we ask you for it in Jesus' name. Stand with me all across this place. Stand with me all across this place. Come on, stand up, Meg. We are not alarmist in this world. Are you here? We are not alarmist in this world. But we are messengers of truth and righteousness, and we have the answer. And we are the difference makers. Are we going to stand in power? Are we going to stand in power? Are we going to stand? If you're here today and these things strike a chord of fear in you, I understand. Even in the heart of the believer, we got to return our mind to what the Word of God says. Fear will scream at you. The Word of God will speak peace. You have no need to fear. Can I pray over you right now? Would that be okay? We prayed at the a closing. Can, can I pray over you? Would you stretch your hands this way? Lord, I pray right now as... as the shepherd uh, that you assign to this flock. Lord, that you, that you give me spiritual wisdom and insight. And Lord, that, uh, and to, to lead and to see and to correct and to embolden and empower and to equip. But Lord, I pray for the people all over this place that, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. And Lord, I'll pray the prayers of the prophet that said, Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes. Lord, right now, I pray that you would open their eyes and show them into the heavenlies that they that be for us are more than they that be against us. Lord, I pray that you open their eyes to know their spiritual eyes and their spiritual understanding to understand that the, that the, that the, that the powers of heaven are, are greater and more numerous and, and uh, that they that are for us are greater than they that be against us. Lord, renew it in our hearts that greater is he that is in me, that is in us, than he that is in the world. No fear, Lord. Put it in your people. No fear. We'll ask it in Jesus' name. We'll ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.